1: Everybody, and welcome again to gamesatwork.biz your weekly technology podcast where we hang out we talk about tech we talk about news we talk about cool new stuff that's happening on the internets and in technology that you can apply to your work and your play and your life and say what we think remotely we we have opinions we're allowed to have them, and you can't, you can't stop us. You can't stop us. In fact, you're us. listening to them. You're listening to them. So well, they could stop us uh-huh. by not listening. But. That's true. Or they could tell us what they think and tell us that our opinions are wrong. But anyway, uh, my name is Andy Piper. I missed last week's episode, but my friends and colleagues, Michael and Michael, uh, saw us through. Uh, I was actually at an event, which we may speak about briefly in a moment, Uh, over in Belgium and then another event this week in London so it's been a busy week anyway Michael Rowe how are you doing
0: Uh, Andy I I am well I'm so glad to talk tech with you today Uh, and uh, we missed you last week but uh, we're missing uh, the other Michael this week because he's off uh, I guess digging around under his house or something I guess burying bodies
1: yeah, Michael's apparently doing some kind of excavation this week, which is which is reasonable. Uh, we were staying in Belgium, uh, in Brussels, in fact, last week, um, which is a city that I'd never been to, and it was was super fun. And it's quite an interesting mixture of old and new. In fact, our hotel was was kind of built around a remaining piece of the old city wall, um, so it had kind of like a cutout in it, and and oh, cool. There was this old old bit of the city wall in it. Um, but the reason I was in Brussels last week was for a conference called FOSDEM, which has been running for about twenty years. It's the free and open source uh, developer meetup in Europe, and uh, it's an interesting conference. It's amazing that I'd never been because I've been doing open source for about twenty years, and uh, it was my first time going. But uh, and it's it doesn't have a any ticketing system. You basically just show up uh, and kind of like open on source university campus and uh yeah there was some interesting talk so we'll come on to at least one of them um as we go through our links today the first one though i thought we we have here is a fun cartoon that's been doing the rounds in the last couple of months and it seemed to fit in from the conversation you all had last week about smart appliances so we've got a a cartoon here showing the evolution of smart products
0: yeah i i i really enjoyed this um As you say, it has been going around. I saw it in a couple of different places. Uh, And, uh, yeah, it it, it does kind of fit with the uh, getting held hostage uh, by your products uh, because uh, they want to do what they want to do or at least charge you for it. And, of course, as all things um, dystopian technology, it's either going to go to Terminator or to 2001 Space Odyssey. And this one goes to the latter. (laughs)
1: well yeah so this the, the, the there were uh, some other cartoons further down in this story about um the future of uh internet of things and e-commerce as well from the same cartoonist uh and uh and new featureitis and things like that so there's some there's some fun stuff in there yeah. um it's talking about you know as we spoke about previously how things inevitably get ads inserted in them and then uh AI eventually decides that it can't do things for you. Allah, uh, the space odyssey, as you just said. So, um, yeah, it was it fu- it was fun. Um, moving along from that though, um, we've got a link to a conversation that Corey Doctorow posted on his blog. It's quite a long one, uh, pluralistic.net, and uh, it really feeds back into the narrative that Corey has been writing about increasingly over the last uh, couple of years. And the book that I've mentioned a few times that I've read and enjoyed, "Choke Point Capitalism," which is his latest volume with a co uh, co uh, co author. The reason this caught my attention this week was that whilst I was at Fosdem, um, I focused as much as I could on some of the sessions around the Fediverse and the future of the internet and 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 freedom of access, and. One of the really good sessions there was about podcasting 2.0 mm-hmm. so we've got a, a we've got a 2.0 in there so we we, we know it's uh, something new and exciting and it's got a label maybe you know it's web or Michael or like Michael Martin's web 11.0 um, you know it's got to, it's got to be cool right it's, it's the next thing yeah and um, doing improve and Cor- and Cory doctor article talks about how podcasts have actually mostly proven to be Um, resistant to what he describes as the initiatification of networks and what he means by that is that um, over time as products become popular network products become popular you initially have this phase where everything's given away for free to 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 get get users in and then um, the network effect prevents those users from going elsewhere easily uh, and also draws in the suppliers of data and, and product and, and other stuff and then those people uh get uh locked in as well so it's kind of this almost deathly embrace between two sides with the choke point the, the 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 company and product in the middle that starts to add all of these crappy features right it's very similar to the evolution of smart products thing we've just spoken about but well, with it, rss this at RSS, at the heart of podcasts, this is this has remained very static. Now, there have been efforts to put a wall around the garden of free audio um, by, for example, Spotify is one example that, 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 that Cory Doctorow often cites. And the reason, again, this caught my attention was literally that there was a slide on, on, on Sunday in Brussels at the Podcasting 2.0 session saying this is a podcast with a screenshot of a, essentially of a blog or a website, any website with an RSS feed, because podcasting is built on RSS. It's built on you know extensions to RSS that enable you to embed a, an audio file, a uh, link to an audio file. And this is not a podcast, which is a picture of, the Spotify app where there's no comments from listeners on the feed or on the blog or on the internet. If there are comments on the internet, then they link directly to the podcast in Spotify without any easy way to keep that conversation going elsewhere. So one of the things that was mentioned in podcasting 2.0 is effectively further extensions to RSS to enable some new features, including specifying where the conversation should be for this for the for the yeah, I like uh, that. for the episode on the Fediverse or wherever it might be. Uh, and also enabling things like web mentions and other technologies to bring the conversation together in one place. So that, that's that's far from the only thing in there. And and the the folks that invented podcasting and and, and added these extensions to RSS in the first place are involved in the podcasting 2.0 It's like Adam
0: Curry, isn't he? like That's right. One of the original. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly, exactly. So um, there's some really interesting technology I'm looking forward to, to experimenting with and seeing what can be done with it. Um, it turns out that um, some hosts already have started to add some of these features or already compliant and it's backwards compatible. So if you um, move across to provide a feed that is, providing these additional 2.0 features that, that the platforms and apps can start to use and implement. Um, it doesn't cut you off from um, podcatchers or, or apps that that only support the the original podcasting features. So I got very excited about it. And I thought that this story from Corey, or this piece of writing from Cory was a good example of how not all technology is necessarily doomed to be, as he calls it, and shitified by advertising, lock-in, and so on.
0: Yeah, and, and it's interesting because, you know, I've been in, in many discussions uh, with with uh, businesses who, you know, their goal is to be that platform that mm. can charge people on the way in and charge people on the way out, right? You want to be a double ender, right? So oh, so yeah. that you can actually extract the maximum ava- amount of value, which is directly taking you down the path of choke point capitalism, right? Uh, and uh, so- Exactly. It's, 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 it's good to see uh, the – and I, I don't know if it's a just a, a reaction again, right? But it's good to see standards and organizations uh, and developers aggressively trying to disable that, that capability, right? Uh, instead of just enabling the free sh- uh, distribution of information and data – Because just enabling it means it can be then routed into a walled garden, right? It's like, as an example, a lot of our links that we get uh, come from Apple News or other sites, and we always try to render those back to the original article provider as the link into our show notes so that uh, listeners uh, can go back to where it came from and not be routed through a third-party tool as just one trivial example of how we try to live in that space.
1: Well, so one of the interesting things about that is the the lifespan of the content. And I've begun to think about this quite a lot as uh, Twitter begins to have increasing numbers of issues. For example, at the moment, a lot of our show notes um, embed tweets um, and – uh, have been based on stuff that folks have tweeted about. Now, that's not to say that will s- suddenly come to a complete h- halt tomorrow, but um, there have been talk of Twitter's API changing and charging and so on. Uh, personally, think it would be a big mistake if, uh, they, 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 if the embedded tweets were to become a chargeable feature. But... Um, It may mean that some of our links suddenly cease to render as as, um, rich content in the future. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, One of the things um, as well, um, you mentioned about developers and and users and podcasters, you know, trying to avoid being locked in. One of the very cool statistics I picked up from the talk on Sunday was that podcastindex.org, which is the sort of the... Uh, the hub for a lot of the podcasting 2.0 work that's happening right now, with as you mentioned, Dave Jones and Adam Curry, who are working on this specification, uh, already has over 400,000 podcasts using uh. um, podcasting 2.0, which is vast, you know, and wonderful. It's really good to see such a uh, wide range uh, available. So, I'm personally going to be experimenting a bit more with this. In the immediate future, but we should uh, not get too bogged down in no. one topic. Let's move along to. We've got a couple of metaverse-related links, uh, and uh, <laughs> we should turn our we should turn our games of work eye of Sauron upon them.
0: Yes, especially those related to
1: the coppers, <laughs> the coppers. <laughs> wow. That's uh, your your uh, accent is excellent, there, Michael. Uh, I must say. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> no, so there was an article this week, uh, uh, well, right at the beginning of this week uh, in the BBC about uh, Interpol and how they're working with police as it relates to the metaverse. And um, before the before the the show recording, you were you were talking about it's it's really more of a education, training, and awareness discussion, right? Uh, for how to understand the metaverse, and from a police perspective, and the other part, which I hadn't even thought about uh, until you mentioned it, is uh, from uh, from a coverage perspective. Since Interpol is a cross count, co- cross country border policing agency, it actually has a different perspective uh, because there are rules and there are laws within country borders as it relates to content on the internet. And yes, the metaverse is on the internet. Uh, so so the the aspect of a multi-country cross-border uh, policing agency engaging in here was very interesting.
1: Yes, this was a good story. Um, the story and link we'll have in the show notes is to the uh, textual story on the BBC News website but it links to a piece that was on the BBC Click show which is a video and audio uh, podcast show that they they do um, which is usually very good now I haven't watched that video I've been reading this story Makes a few points for those of the, our listeners who are not familiar uh, with some of the topics here. Interpol is um, an international uh, policing co- collaboration agency. Uh, it is almost 100 years old and it has around, it has 195 member countries, um, which is not all the countries in the world, but it's a large number. Yeah, it's pretty close. And, um, you know, it does call out, as you just said, that, you um, by default, by 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 nature, anything that happens in the metaverse could be happening effectively on any continent, and and and, and evidence or, or or assets can be moved very quickly between continents and and physical storage, and so uh, there is no such thing in the metaverse. Uh, 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 this story argues, or, and Interpol argues, uh, as a, a, a national only cybercrime because it's it. It, it crosses jurisdiction, jurisdictions naturally, so there's definitely that. I was also shocked to and, and saddened to read about some uh, in, in here some references to um, abuse occurring within VR games and uh, and VR platforms. That was really sad. It's not completely surprising because we see this in all areas of life, and we've seen this in other forms of virtual interaction. But uh, that that was. Um, Disturbing, And then, as I say, I think a lot of it inevitably is going to be trying to keep up with the speed at which technology changes, how people interact with technology, especially on the bleeding edge, which Mm. is where we've been living for a long time, the the, the three of us on the show, um, trying to keep up with that that bleeding edge of technology and trying to understand the implications. So I would be amazed if these things are, are solved quickly. But I am pleased, notionally, sort of gently pleased that, that they're taking a, an early start, making an early start in terms of what's the impact here? What, how does this yeah. affect us? How can we bring our expertise to, to bear?
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and um, you know, it kind of, it doesn't tie directly, but it's probably uh, tieable. Um, talking about uh, the unfortunate aspect of abru- abuse on In the metaverse. Um, And it reminded me of two things. One, uh, back in the day when I was giving a presentation to a group of 200 managers uh, in Second Life uh, and nudists showed up, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Which was kind of funny, but it was a work event and, and, you know, nude avatars started showing up. Um, And then uh, that kind of ties back into and i think we actually dropped that article but uh about the state of investment in the metaverse and who uses it more and who makes it more right uh and some of the the reasons behind that kind of got me thinking around the same path of it (laughs) makes sense so who uses it more is actually um i believe it said women use the metaverse more than men uh but uh Men-owned and men-run businesses get most of the investment, like ninety to ten percent, um, and uh, uh, that that got me thinking of the the imbalance of power, uh, which is a place where abuse happens,
1: right? So right, yeah. Well, so interesting. We you should um, start to talk about some of those things because the next story we had, link we had, was was one that I shared with the group um, of the three of us because first of all, the headline um, is. Right on topic for our show and things we've spoken about frequently: the current state of metaverse interoperability, where design, where design framework must go from here. That is the title, as read. Um, I, I, in, in text, <laughs> you need I would little, be right sick a little thing, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. SIC after it. It's <clears throat> written by uh, a lady, Aloisa Marchisoni, who is labelled and identifies as a tokenomics engineer. Um, it was published on February the 4th on, uh, VentureBeat, uh, as a guest post. And I don't know, I'm confused as heck by this story. I, I it was one that, um, I, I, I did have a quick look to, um, find out a little bit more about, um, the author, um seems that she's the, 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 she's a genuine author. I did initially wonder whether this was written by an AI because I felt like there was a lot of uh, word soup and buzzwords in the story and maybe I'm being too negative and too well, cynical.
0: Well, I, as soon as you pointed out uh, the, the role of the author, I was like, oh, what the heck is tokenomics? Um, right. And evidently it's uh, something related to uh, tokens and Coinbase and coins and, <clears throat> you know...
1: Yeah. Crypto. So, and, and certainly looking at some of those uh, those topics, um, and it, it's, it immediately lends a different, gives you a different lens <laughs> to look at this story because a lot of this immediately, although it talks about metanomics um, and the original talk show on Second Life, yeah, um, it I and, and it refers to Second Life there. It then immediately pivots to a huge story about. Uh, Web3 gaming, cryptocurrencies, um, and uh, various other things. And generally speaking, I just didn't find this store this this useful, especially not, especially not um, if you take the title of the story, the current state of In metaverse interoperability, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then try and apply that to the content of this story. I just found yeah. it unhelpful. There is no, I just don't see. A connection to, the, to a conclusion here. Um, I, I, it I, felt like space-filling for, for no good reason.
0: Well, I I, I, I would really appreciate if, if any of our listeners could read it and make some sense of the article for
1: us, of, of how really
0: the title relates to the content.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I disappointed, and I think, and I felt symptomatic of um the spike in, of interest in the metaverse uh, that we've been observing and talking about over the last especially over the last 12 months we spoke a couple of weeks ago about that you know well the fediverse will be more important than the metaverse because people are kind of going off uh the, the metaverse is becoming a little less shiny in the light of different um companies reporting their results but talking of which and this is something else that I think we've dropped from the list we shared a little uh, funny image from twitter i think uh which was the homer simpson disappearing oh, yes. <laughs> into a hedge and coming back out of the hedge and um and that started off with a metaverse expert disappearing into the hedge vanishing and then coming back out as an ai expert because this week has definitely been all about the ai topics on oh, the, in the news and we, the- we we've dropped most of them from the show list but because Um, because things move so fast. I mean, literally, at the beginning of the week, we had a link that we'd share between us about, is this Bing with AI, and is this a leak? And then a few days later, they did an event to get ahead of Google, whose event evidently didn't go very well. But um, let's talk about AI quickly.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll we'll jump ahead to AI, uh, because this is a really fun article. Um, There's uh, an article in PC Gamer... Uh, talking about how modders are using AI to take and revoice Morrowind, which... uh, What is Morrowind? Morrowind is part of the, uh, I think it's part of the Elder Scrolls games. Uh, And uh, when I saw this, I have been trying to play... Uh, the the oh gosh I've gone blank on the game I I'm so bad at the battles in it but it's the big game that came out last year I got it for Christmas uh, and I'm totally blanking on the game <laughs> we talked about it on the show a couple of weeks ago but there are
1: battles and you got it for Christmas and it was a big game so. yes uh but I won the, I won
0: and it's 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 in this line of games right um and the, the voice acting in that game is really good. Um, and beautiful graphics, etc. And this was kind of a really early Elder Scrolls game where the graphics are horrible and the voice acting, I think there was no voice acting. It was all text-based. Uh, and so, you know, there, there's been a resurgence again of, of people trying to improve old games and make them more exciting so you get that that adrenaline hit of going back to those games that you played when you were younger. Uh, and I just thought this was really, really cool uh, to see them doing this. Um i I do still dip into Skywind every once in a while uh, and uh, they're talking about you know remaking Skyrim uh, pieces with this so uh yeah, I just thought it was kind of a cool article and i I do like the the idea of doing this to improve old games and giving them a longer life.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's fun and it may make some of these games a bit more approachable for folks who are more used to modern uh walkthroughs, tutorials, um, and other things. But um, yeah, it's it's always fun to see things have a longer life than they may have otherwise had, I think. Um, And it's curious to see how well some of these AI um, models and machine learning models, I should call them, uh, are able to reproduce um, uh, spoken word. We've got well, a couple of quick hits to end yes. up on. Um, and one of them um, is also an AI-related thing, or a machine learning-related thing. And that is uh, that someone asked ChatGPT to draw a humanoid form of itself using DALI. And uh, <laughs> that was kind of ridiculous. So I, if you haven't read that story, then yeah. go click through our our link and have a look. Yes.
0: I, I, I was thinking that exact thought that uh, you know uh, in the in the modern things to make people uh, enjoy new technology. This would be an example of not. <laughs>
1: um, and, and and then finally, uh, finally we're turning the turning the the eye of Sauron uh, of the show onto the final link of the. Yes. Uh, of of the discussion today, we have a massive, and this is another one that changed over the course of the week. Originally, at the beginning of the week, it was there's a, there's a leak, there's a, there's a hint there might be a new Lord of the Rings set from Lego, and uh, and a few days ago uh, it finally got revealed as a big Rivendell set. Yeah, and you've got the you
0: entire. I, this is awesome, and you've got the you know the entire Fellowship um, uh-huh. as minifigs. Um, I I don't think
1: that's going to to increase the cost immediately because as soon as you get past two or three minifigs, the prices prices seems to go up exponentially. Of these, yeah. uh, But
0: I was I was surprised that the scale wasn't radically different between dwarves and elves. Uh, (laughs) uh, And
1: uh, I I think this is gorgeous. Um, It is beautiful. Six thousand one hundred sixty-seven pieces, and I think one thing that I've observed is that. that with tile the tiling on this roof is gorgeous as well but um yeah. the complexity of uh, lego plants trees and so on um have become uh, even at small scale also at the bigger scales have become so beautiful um yeah. it's a beautiful set not one that i'm going to be looking at um, nope. i don't think i've got I've bothered with any of the lego lord of the Rings sets but uh it, it is a nice looking item and yeah, i'm sure you'll need deep pockets to acquire it yes yes well um
0: if you want to talk about Lego or AI or the metaverse or standards or technology or, or uh, smarter products, why don't you come over to our website at gamesatwork.biz, comment on this show. Uh, when the show notes are out there, we, we, we do allow comments, not a problem. Or you could uh, you know catch us on your favorite podcatcher or just subscribe to our RSS feed and download directly from our site.
1: Exactly, exactly. We look forward to hearing from you. And uh, that's all for this week. See ya.
0: Bye. You've been listening to gamesatwork.biz, the podcast about gaming technology and play. We are part of the Blueberry Podcasting Network and would like to thank the band Random Encounters for their song, Big Blue. You can follow us on Twitter at Games underscore Biz or at our website at gamesatwork.biz.